This is Elizabeth Adams, coach at Scarfield Coaching. And Caroline Broad, trainer and consultant for my own business, Broad Associates Limited. And you're listening to the Academy's Developing Practice podcast. Well, it's great to be co-hosting this Making an Impact special with Dakshat, our guest host for this episode. Caroline and Elizabeth, we're really pleased to be speaking to you today about communicating with business and industry. But before we get started, it would be great to get to know you a little bit. So if you could tell us a bit about your background and how you've arrived at the roles you're in today. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Adams. I'm an independent consultant. I specialise in research culture and a researcher career development. My own PhD is in chemistry and it was a collaboration with industry and lots of other universities. So, so I learned a lot of the, the amazing stuff that can happen with collaborations and also some of the challenges along the way. Um, I worked in the pharma industry and then I worked in higher education for 14 years. And after that, I moved on to work in the sort of space between universities and industry and um, helping to support collaborations between different partners, whether big companies, small companies and academics as well. So I learned a lot about um, the challenges with innovation, which often aren't the technical ones. And then um, now I support universities and researchers with their own work and their research visions and strategy. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. And Caroline. Hi there. Um, my name is Caroline Broad and I'm based in Cambridge in the UK. And if you don't work in public sector, you work in high tech or biotech. And um, that's very much informed my commercial career. Um, I have supported research specialists for most of my life in communicating and collaborating. And 10 years ago, I started my own business specifically facilitating um, groups who work in research intensive spaces. Uh, Some of the workshops I run are around building your own business and entrepreneurial skills. A lot of the uh, training is around collaboration. And uh, I've had that insight, uh, similarly to Elizabeth, of both the industry perspective, including that sort of the broader nonprofit space as well, uh, and the academic space. So hopefully I can help bridge that gap. Well, that was a great introduction and uh, something I can relate to because I've been in academia, but I've not ventured on the other side of, uh, well, the industry or the business side, but I would love to. But I think what holds me back is the fact that I don't really know what's in it for me. And I'm sure this is relatable to most academics right now who have not ventured into this area. So could you please tell us what are the benefits for academics in collaborating with non-academic partners, such as an industry or a business Lovely. It's the, it's the first question I always ask both academics and uh, potential industry partners, because if you're not clear on your drivers and motivations, then it's difficult to have a decision criteria. Uh, and in a very broad sense, what you're getting is insight to the real world problems and how you as an academic and your research can make an impact, which can be extremely satisfying when you see that economic and societal impact as part of your um, research project. Uh, the, uh, The fact that you get some experience into the impact that you can make. I think also um, for me, Elizabeth, I don't know about you, the other priority 
is uh, the extension of the network for the individual so that you can really start to get multiple perspectives and, and break out of what can sometimes in some research fields become a little bit of an academic bubble. I think that's a great point. Um, I love that idea of bringing in lots of different perspectives. Some of the projects that I've worked on the past year um, have been in the nuclear sector and where academics have come in to, to look at a particular challenge around perhaps using robotics in the nuclear sector. The, the things that they're thinking about aren't always the things that people in industry are thinking about. They're thinking, well, if this breaks, will we be able to fix it? What's the regulator going to think about that? What could be the political repercussions of doing this? So actually having all those insights, it's it's new challenges, it's new ideas, it's creativity, curiosity. It's a lot more than just coming in as an academic and sort of thinking, oh, I can, I've got a, a thing or a widget that would fix this particular problem. But actually, you know, you're opening yourself up to a whole host of like wider understanding of what these real issues are. I guess the obvious thing that perhaps Elizabeth and I don't immediately mention is the opportunity for additional funding streams, which in this academic space and in our knowledge economy is key. Um, And there are some great, uh, clearly defined ways of, of creating additional income. But it's interesting that that's not the first thing that either of us mentioned, because there's just so much kind of, um, uh, sort of dimensions to the opportunities of collaborating outside of academia and to get a job of course you know you know you might well want a job in industry and and it might not be in that particular place but getting those insights into what's it really like you know what are the the ideas that I have about working in industry and actually are those the reality and what other jobs are out there yeah I think I think that is very convincing because I've uh, been in academia and I've always been scared to sort of step into the other side of industry. Uh, but listening to this, I think um, the impact is something I would like to see, you know, because I think to see the impact of your research uh, in the real world and also get insight of how it would be like on the other side. And I think academia is quite very monotonous to me. Uh, so I think industry has got very challenging, but at the same time, very exciting. It's got a variety of things. Um, but I think from what I've heard, it's very much of a different area, isn't it? So it'd be hard to go in there just blind. So have you got any pointers for anybody coming from academia on how to sort of collaborate with industry? Or what are sort of uh, to-do lists or steps to get started in this area? A good place to start is in making sure that you're visible online. Um, Generally, the first thing I do is I Google people and I I typically look for their LinkedIn profiles. And particularly in industry, I find people use LinkedIn a lot more than they do other platforms like Twitter. So if you've got a LinkedIn profile that's sort of fully populated and it's got an image and I know what you're interested in, I can understand it, then I'm much more likely to think, oh, this is someone who might want to work on this particular thing or project. Yeah, I I really agree with that. LinkedIn is the place to build a profile if you are strategically looking to work with industry as an academic. And and along with the photo, that's key. I know we don't always want to, but um, I agree with Elizabeth. If if you're going to if you want to be taken seriously by industry, a really good LinkedIn profile, one that you're proud of. But along with the photo, the, the top tip for me is in the summary of LinkedIn. 
but really put in some keywords of what matters to you as an academic and your specialist areas. That's where a lot of the uh, tagging and metadata comes from that summary page. I think also there's some thinking to be done prior to, um, uh, to inform where you start. And that is to, to sort of think about the profile of the kinds of organisations you want to work for, um, because the word in industry is so it, within that it's so broad. You've got startups and spin outs. You've got some spin outs that are so close to academia. You, you'll just be working with, you know, professors you, you met at a conference. You've got huge, large multinational organisations and then everything in between, including profit and non-profit making. So really having a little think and maybe, you know, talk to other people that have already been collaborating to see what you get from different kinds of organisations, as well as thinking about where your specialism is going to be um, really welcomed and have a great value. Yeah, that networking point's really key because you don't need to do it by yourself either. And there's so many organisations that are out there to help sort of bridge that gap for you. And they might be national organisations like the Knowledge Transfer Network. It might be networking platforms like Confer, where you can put up a bio and be matched with things. It might be people in your institution who are the sort of connectors that could be academics or research support professionals who, you know, they have great networks. You go have a chat to them, tell them what you're interested in. See if they know people, if they know events, workshops, different types of conferences or trade shows that you might be able to go along to and start to get a sense of, you know, what what are people interested in? Where might I fit in with that? And just sort of do some some low bar activities. It's not necessarily about you going out and say, hey, industry, I'm here. It's that it's that um, groundwork, which takes some time. I think um, often perhaps there's a pressure or expectation that the first person you speak to outside of academia, you'll create a three to five year collaboration with. And it's very much about meeting the first person who will introduce you to the second person, who will introduce you to the third person, who 18 months later, you will have created something really interesting, substantial and well-funded. I guess I, I, what comes to mind, Elizabeth, as well, is this idea of that a collaborative project isn't the first thing that you have to do when engaging with um, a non-academic institutions. There are other ways of starting to integrate yourself. Um, I'm thinking about a consultancy, contract research, um, knowledge transfer partnerships and, and um, another um, approaches like that that are a little bit more established well-supported. So I suppose it won't be a very straightforward transition, would it, from academia to industry? It's then you need that sort of bridge wherein you just test the water and find out whether or not it's for you. Because if you've not done it before, I think just by doing networking or finding out um, the work culture as well, because I think that's a huge difference. If you've always worked in academia, industry's work culture could be very different. Um, so I think at that point does make sense that you would want to try out a few techniques before just making a straight move into industry. So yeah, that's good sense. also. Sorry, Elizabeth, go on. Uh, I was just going to say any collaboration, it's good to start small and work out if that's going to work for both parties and start to, you know, don't dive into like a 10-year partnership with no no groundwork. Yeah. But then in your experience, do you feel like there is different demands or different uh, objectives when you're collaborating with a business or uh, when you're collaborating with an industry? Is there really any difference or is there any commonality between the both? 
I think the commonality is that everyone's time pressured. Everyone has lots of different demands on their time and people want to be helpful and they also don't want to overpromise things. So from the industry perspective, quite often big companies will be asked for letters of support for grant applications from multiple academics, multiple universities, and they can't promise everything to everyone. And they also worry sometimes that the academic will get their letter of support, get their grant and never be seen again. And so I, I think people have those kinds of worries that they're they're promising too much that they won't be able to support with the time available. And I think that's true from the academic perspective as well of do we have time to engage with industry when we're busy doing all our teaching and all those other things. So I think that's definitely common ground, but it, it makes for a challenging situation. I think that reaffirms as well why there's great value in establishing a relationship before you're working together to secure funding for a project because you're building trust, an understanding of each other's constraints, boundaries and priorities. And then you can find that it is it is an ideal because, of course, sometimes you've got three weeks, there's a funding pot available, you need an industry partner and you've just got to go for it. And that's, of course, still valid and can bring some exciting opportunities. But as an, you know, as part of um, professional development and investment, from my perspective, if academics want to include industry collaborations and partnerships in their working life, then it's worth doing that groundwork early on, even before you're um, trying to secure a, a, a functioning relationship. They're not making any assumptions about what the industry um you know, different industries will be very different, like Caroline was saying earlier, big ones, small ones. You know, I've worked with companies where in a collaboration, it took them six months to get the kit that they wanted to from academics on site because they had to go through so many processes. Other companies, they'll just chuck it in a van, someone will drive, they'll rock up somewhere, they'll they'll sort it out because they're quite entrepreneurial and they want to make things happen and they'll do it tomorrow. So you really have to understand what is the culture of the company you're working with, you know, what what are people's abilities to just do stuff versus have to go through lots of multiple processes and approvals do all their letters of support have to be signed off by the head of the company all of those kinds of things and I think um it's nice to start with what are the similarities as well because quite often your counterparts in the organization were are, are ex-academics you know they're they're your people in a different landscape and I, I think often there's this imagining that the differences are greater than they are. However, it is vital as an academic, you recognise the constraints and barriers of being in a competitive space. And I think particularly the um, tension between wanting to publish or needing to publish and um, wanting to share your um, research widely and from an industry's point of view, the need to maintain competitive advantage and therefore confidentiality, I think it is key so that early on in your conversations, you can um, work out how you're going to meet the needs of both parties. Yeah, that does make sense, because I think gauging uh, the differences and the commonalities is usually a good start. Uh, for anybody who's venturing out into the collaboration with industry or businesses, because I think that prepares you uh, into this unknown domain that you that you want to go into and explore. Um, but I think what also concerns me is how, so you, I know you've both coached people and you've also collaborated with industry and businesses yourself. 
and you've done this for a fair bit of time. So what is it that you see in the academics that have successfully landed good collaborations, both, both industry and, and business? Um, what were they doing differently? What's the skills they had? I mean, because for me, I'm a very, in my head, things are very block organized. So if I want to venture out into a collaboration, I'm very scared. I'm very underconfident of, oh, have I got the skills for it? Have I got the preparations for it? Um, so what would you suggest? Is it like a tick block exercise I need to do before I can even think I'm capable of this? I mean, you're, everyone's wholly capable of creating these kind of uh, collaborations. And uh, it is just a different landscape that what you're about to do is engage in a conversation with people who are specialists in your field, who are committed to supporting specialists in your field to uh, to a, a common end of um, having an economic and societal impact. And I often hear for, from academics over the years that I, I've run collaboration workshops that they're not sure what they bring or they, they've had been in academia too long and um, the first thing for you to do is to recognize the huge value that you will bring to a partnership project your insight your passion and commitment all of the institutional um, assets and infrastructure behind you um, the um I think really, you know, you're you're an, an expert, a specialist, and who wouldn't want you on their team? So I think the first thing is to really recognise your value, start there. And then, of course, there are lots of skills that you may not have yet flexed and got good at, but all of them are learnable. I'm at a, where to start, Elizabeth, I mean, in terms of sort of skills that may be not academics day to day. Yeah, I think it may be something to do with behaviors, because sometimes I see uh, people who are more confident in networking. So I go to conferences um, and there's a bunch of people who always go around, you know, sharing their details. And they're just very upcoming and, uh, you know, they're, they're very confident. I think that they get a lot of traction. They make connections. They probably go back and have like 20 emails in an inbox waiting to collaborate with them. That never happens to me. Um, it's probably because I'm just sipping my tea in the corner and just watching them, you know, network. So I think it's not just probably the skills, but it's also more to do with the behaviors. So if, it could well be that that we're doing wrong. Mm, it's really hard, isn't it, to sort of go to a conference and think, right, I have to sell my amazing skills to all these people. But actually, I, I think it, it's great if you can sort of flip that around and think, oh, I'm just really curious about what might happen if I get to speak to these new people and and you know are there ways that I could help them and maybe if I just leave them my contact details there might be a way that we can work together or help each other most people you know like Caroline said people are coming from academic backgrounds quite often and and they really love the opportunity to collaborate with researchers and and you know to sort of earmark some time in their busy diaries to geek out about future research possibilities and and you know they love that opportunity so so don't sort of necessarily think of it as this other world where you're going to be doing cutthroat commercial things. Actually, a lot of the time it's just about exploring possibilities. And, and that's something I think all researchers like the idea of doing. I completely agree with Elizabeth in terms of when you approach new people, um, being curious about what they need, what they want and why is a great way of reducing this feeling of selling or developing um professional relationships and one thing that might help you or, or any academic with that is to really have a summary of the research and the impact or potential impact that your project can have ready um, in your mind 
what people who are not within your department or as specialists as you want to know is the potential impact on their world. Um, and I think if you can have a sort of a nice paragraph that explains uh, what you do and its potential, that is the starting hook for a conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it just in terms of skills, one of the things it is to think about is developing your business analysis skills, which is really just asking lots of questions. Um, understanding um, as much as you can about someone who or an organization that you might partner with will help you be the best academic partner possible. It's that classic knowledge is power. I think it's really important that universities are putting a sort of increased um, sense of importance on research impact and the government is. And, and I think that's something that people are interested in generally. So most universities need you at some point to be able to track what your impact is and the sorts of engagements you're having with industry. And I think that's just something to sort of remember when you're starting to build these relationships and build your skills is that one of those has to be sort of tracking the long-term impact and be able to report on it because that's going to be what gets you future funding or, you know, helps the university to sort of justify why they've funded you. So it's just, it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but just making sure that you keep a note and you follow up with people and you say, well, you know, fantastic that you found this interesting. Do you mind if I follow up in six months and ask how you're using it? And yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Well, that doesn't make it so scary then, because I think it's it's just a matter of finding the right common ground, establishing the goals and making it clear what you're capable of and what you're offering. So it's like any other any other um, job that you could basically apply for, really, isn't it? It's not that collaboration is just a big word, but at the end, it's just working as part of a team. I think that's what it is, isn't it? Um, I see you both mentioned that it is really important that you get your expectations across and obviously uh, uh, likewise from the industry as well or the business you're collaborating with, just find out what their goals are. Um, so when you do this, why why do you think it's more important? Because I think if I haven't got um, their expectations clear, if I get it wrong, am I in a bad place? Or how well do I need to do this? I think potentially with the the intellectual property, as Caroline said, if they're expecting to use the IP that's generated from your work, you need to have had those conversations right at the very beginning. So that's about understanding what does success for the project look like for you? If you're thinking success for me is that I get to have a publication, I get to go to a conference and talk about this, and success for them is something entirely different, then that collaboration is going nowhere. Um, so yeah, get get the right people involved from your university at an early stage to help you have those conversations. Um, and you know, think broadly about what what are the questions that I could ask them about. You know, where have you seen other collaborations go badly? You know, where have you seen collaborations go badly? Where have you seen them go really well? What helped with that? What are the things that are important to you in this? And important to your career? Important to your boss? It's um, imagine you're going on holiday with somebody and one of you wants to go to Croatia and the other one wants to go to Italy. And and if at the early stages you haven't confirmed that you want to go to slightly different places for slightly different reasons and you end up booking, you know, you're going to be wasting a lot of money. You're going to have a lot of stress whilst all that tension builds Again, away from each other, and you're going to waste a lot of time. So instead, sitting down and going, "Oh, 
why do you want to go to Italy and why do I want to go to Croatia and what can I actually afford? Oh, I thought Croatia was cheaper and that's, but I'd love to go to Italy actually if we can find some more money. And then it turns out that Sicily is the perfect island for you both within budget. It meets the needs of of both of your research strategy and the organisational strategy. Um, And you can contain that project so that, as Elizabeth mentioned earlier, that you really are sort of fulfilling your obligations and not over-promising, because I do think that is something people can fall into the trap of. Yeah. Yeah, I love that example because that's some that's the debate I need to settle when I go back home because my wife wants to go to Greece and I want to go to Italy. So I think that's where I'm I'm going to use your strategy and try this. Um and then, and then I'll start applying that to collaborations. Ask lots of questions, I think, and and don't and ask ask questions that are really open. Why and what and 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 where? Really gather all of that knowledge. I think um you're never wasting time because you're getting to know people, extending your network. They might know somebody who in six months' time asks similar questions. You're like, hang on a minute, I've got someone I'm connected with on LinkedIn. Let me introduce you. That makes sense. I think that's another thing that you just reminded me. I need to get a headshot done and my LinkedIn profile updated. There's a lot I'm taking away from this. Um, right, so I think that that is a good uh, start. I think what now I am not sure sure about is... If as an academic, you would want to pick an industry versus a business partnership, what, in your opinion, is an easier one to get into and what's more daunting? Well, uh, you might have to ask that question in a different uh, way. What's behind that that question for you? Well, if I want to start out, um, say I've got an opportunity to either collaborate A, with a business or B, with an industry, uh, which is well-established, got a name out, but the business is probably a small startup scale a spin-off maybe, um, where am I more sort of likely to get valued better or where am I getting more benefits from? Because I'm guessing there's a lot of opportunities around me and I'm just not sure which is the right one for me. I think creating a career clarity of direction informed by your research strategy, your department or, or, or institutional research strategy Creating that clarity of direction will allow you maybe to reduce the scope of the kind of organisations you want to work for, including your personal desires. You know, if you really, really want to move to Australia, that's going to inform some decisions. It's not, um, you know, it's your whole self, not just your professional self. So I think, what what are you looking for? Are you looking for security and a great pension? Are you looking to work in... um, sort of respiratory and inflammation in the, the most cutting edge area? Um, are you looking for um, a lot of public sector collaborations to support the NHS in some of their research? Those kind of questions, <laughs> if you ask those of yourself, they, they can be quite hard and sometimes the answer can be, I don't know. But at least if you can refine some area of thinking, you can go, right, well, I think I want security. So maybe a startup that's only got 12 months of funding left may not be the place for me. Uh, And perhaps instead I'll speak to two or three friends that left industry, uh, uh, left academia and are working for more established organisations in the southeast area. Start start there, you know, quiz yourself, 
What, what do you think, Elizabeth? Because it's not easy. I don't, it, I don't think it's easy. That kind of decision making where to start. Is it about moving to industry after a postdoc or is it about collaborating with industry? Well, it could be it could be either, isn't it? Uh, moving is a big move, I think. Um, and my ideal strategy would be to first collaborate, find out how it is working in industry day in, day out, and then perhaps make that slow move over to the other side of the fence. So that would be my personal strategy. Yeah, I like that idea of sort of trying on, trying it on for size almost. And, you know, no decision has to be final. So you can sort of try in a few different directions and go to different types of networking events and maybe see if there's um, small opportunities to collaborate. Some of them might be driven by funding. You know, there's a lot of Innovate UK funding where there's people looking for partnerships. So it might just be about being more alert to what those opportunities are and, and sort of trying things out, having those conversations. Catalysts are a really interesting place to to look at as well. And and I think so over the sort of 10 years I've run my um, industry academic collaboration workshop, I've always asked for a show of hands on who wants to leave academia. And that's why they're at the workshop. Who's just looking to collaborate um, and stay within academia. And it's uh, it's about half and half. And the collaboration partnership space is a great way to start to understand what working outside of academia can um, look like. Yeah, I think that show of hands is probably very realistic as well, because we have people around here in our offices where they've been in academia for the longest time, but now switching to industry. Some of them also coming back. So I think it's that collaboration space which they're missing out on. So if they did collaborate instead of just jumping the fence, that may have sort of given them that breather or a taster of the industry sector before just, you know, um, moving. Yeah, that's great suggestions. Um, So finally, these podcasts, as you know, are being recorded as part of our Making Impact series for 2023. Um, How do you think, as a final question for this podcast, how do you think collaborating with business and industry enables more impactful research for academics? I think it lets you answer bigger, more exciting um interesting questions we've got more more ideas to more brains thinking about something more perspectives coming in hopefully do better research mm-hmm. yeah i mean we're we're a knowledge economy island and it's the knowledge economy is a really large ecosystem that opportunity for integration uh, between non-profit government industry and academia is is sitting there and and the infrastructure is really well established now with as Elizabeth mentioned the Innovate UK the Knowledge Transfer Network, Comfer, the Catalyst all all sorts of interesting opportunities and that integration leads to more impact and and more interesting um, research projects from my perspective. I think there's a real social angle to it as well. And it's interesting, Caroline, you started by saying that you're based in Cambridge. I'm actually based in the northwest. And I know people think Liverpool or Manchester, but I'm I'm not. I'm much further north and wester than that. Um, And I'm in a place where there aren't any universities. And so actually academic researchers coming here, it, it does change things. You know, it shakes stuff up a bit. People learn new skills. They come away a bit more inspired that we can do things differently. And that's huge for an area where you know, you just don't have that on a day-to-day basis. So don't underestimate the sort of softer things that are happening, the sort of culture change that are important, as well as the technology and ideas that you might bring in. 
Yeah, I was just going to add that um, I think um, sometimes there's the expectation that if you partner with industry, that it it is all about profit. And although we haven't talked about that a lot today, I, I guess I just want to mention that there are a lot of collaborations that aren't driven by uh, income first. Uh, there's an opportunity to make an impact without feeling that um, it's a um, funding endeavor al- uh, alone. I, I just I don't know if I put that right, but I think it's important. It's important to say if you think, yeah, but I'm not here to create funding. I'm here to make an impact or to um, create insight in my specialist area. Partnerships and collaborations with industry have those drivers as well yeah the people that I'm working with in industry they want to do things in a way that's safer um that spends less public sector money that is more innovative and creative and creates future jobs in the UK you know does good things for the economy so I think there there are a lot of really important values that you can connect with and it isn't all about the money necessarily for people yeah, that surely makes me more convinced to take that, make that move into the collaboration area of industry or businesses. I'm more inclined to business, to be fair, um, but industry doesn't sound that bad either. Now that you've mentioned all your experience in here, um, that's something I'm, I'm going to try um, in the future. No promises, but if you see me trying to network, just, you know, just come and say hi. It's just going to boost my ego a bit. Yeah. Send me a LinkedIn invite. Oh, yeah, that's happening. I'm yeah. telling you, I'm getting my headshots done and then I'll be there on the LinkedIn, adding all of you there. Yeah. Uh, Exactly I'm, what I'm charged. Yes, exactly what I was going to say, Elizabeth. The first say, right, hopefully everybody that meets everybody sends a little note on LinkedIn afterwards and connects like the old yeah. uh, football stickers when we. I quite like the LinkedIn as well because it does have those little things where it supports you to say you're open to work, you're open to collaborations, kind of tag on your profiles. I think that's a neat touch on LinkedIn that's kind of does the talking for you. Um, yeah, so that's something I'll do as well. Uh, great it's been it's been a great chat with you both and i've learned a lot uh, something that i wouldn't have read a book about but i think this has helped and it's it's made me capable to go and start doing the things that you've just mentioned well thank you so much that conversation has been so interesting and i know it will be incredibly helpful um, to our listeners this podcast is called the developing practice podcast and we like to finish each podcast with three or four take-home tips that the listeners can reflect on in terms of their own personal practice. So if you were to leave our um, listeners with a couple of tips, what would they be? Find some connecting people who can help connect you with the industry, you know, people in your institution or organisations in your sector. Um, Update your LinkedIn profile and be curious, ask lots of questions. See if you can create a clarity of direction for yourself. Who can you help and how, um, who can help you and why can they help you? Um, And then think about a little bit more strategically who you can then ask, as Elizabeth said, to help you find the right people to talk to. Bit of clarity of direction and what you want and why. Wonderful. Thank you both. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Yes.